You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. One of my favorite episodes of The Twilight Zone is where you've got this dude, he's like this uh, nerdy middle-aged guy with like giant Coke bottle glasses and uh, everyone picks on him. I mean, his vice is that he loves reading. He loves reading more than anything else. And his boss is always mad because he's just reading all the time. He's barely doing his work. His wife is mad because all he does is read when he should be doing stuff for her. I mean, all these are actually pretty justifiable reasons to be mad at this dude. But anyway, like, everyone's just up in his case, and he's just like, shut up, I just want to read, leave me alone. And he basically wishes, ah, I wish I was the last man on Earth, so that way I could do all the reading I wanted. And uh, somehow, some way, I don't know if it was a nuclear apocalypse or if he just woke up one day and everyone disappeared, but this guy is living his best freaking life. Like, he's really looking around, and he's not even phased that, you know, his wife and all his friends and everyone he's ever known are basically, like, you know, dead or gone or whatever. The first thing this dude does is he goes around town to check to make sure nobody's alive. I mean, there's no bodies, there's nothing there. It's like, poof, just gone, snap of the fingers, like Thanos uh, came to town or something. But anyway... He, he realizes that he really is the last man on Earth, so what he does is he goes to the local library, and he pulls out every book he's ever wanted to read, and he yells, I've got the, all the time in the world, I can read everything I want, except the problem is, is he puts down a stack of books, his, um, his glasses that he needs to read end up falling off his face, and they crack, so he can't see out of them, and then he realizes, wait, there's no one else here to repair them, I can't see anything, how am I supposed to go to the eyeglasses doctor and stuff like that, and he's like, no, no, I finally had time, I, I finally had time, this isn't fair, this isn't fair, and and the episode ends like that, and for many people, the past year and a half has been a lot like that episode of The Twilight Zone, I know for me it's certainly that way. Uh, I've called this show on the run the the world's worst travel show and the world's not a financial fi- financial podcast. Uh, you know the 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 worst not a financial financial podcast. Uh, everything is just for entertainment and formative purposes only. Even though we'll talk about all those things, um, I I remember and I've told the story a couple times. So if you're a new listener, I'll, I'll help you out with this. Like on the run was supposed to be me going to different places, experiencing different, 
you know, locations and stuff like that. And uh, every episode was supposed to be about that. Instead, as soon as I started planning the first like dozen episodes, the lockdowns happened. And immediately I was like, shit, I can either wait this thing out or I could completely change the story and the idea of what we're doing. And, you know, it, it became more of a, I, I won't call it a mindset show, but it became really a show about how to reconnect with the fun of the world and become freer within your lifetime in the ways that you can genuinely bring out a better world around you as an individual through finance, through knowledge, through expanding your mind into different things, and also just reconnecting with other people. It became, instead of just being on the run from location to location, it became on the run from a system and a society that doesn't want you to be free or happy. And I think we've done a pretty good job. I still talk about trips I've done, places I've gone, locations, how to travel, all that stuff. But it, it became less of a uh, – that became less of the emphasis and we've grown. If you've been listening to the show for a while, we've covered so many fucking different things. And each week I'm, I'm just – you know I'm at the point where it's just like what do I want to talk about? Um, because I think when we're learning and we're having fun together and we're allowing things to kind of flow, it's, it's created a better experience for me to do this. And and for you, I hope that you've been getting value and fun out of every episode of on the run as well. But, um, you know, it's, it's very weird because I didn't really ever feel this urge to get out and travel and, I mean, I'm not even talking like nice traveling. Like I'm talking like I've slept in my car. I've done road trips to random ass places. I mean, I, I when I travel, I, I really trek. Like it has not been vacations or anything uh, by by any way, shape, or form. Um, it started with my road trip around Virginia last year. There's an episode about that way on your back. Lessons I learned from my road trip around Virginia. At the time, uh, it was because uh, I was inspired by my friend Tim Young. I was producing a a digital series for him at the Washington Times called On the Road with Tim Young. And uh, we did an episode about Tim Young's All-American Road Trip during the COVID lockdowns and pandemics when they were really bad. You can go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. I mean, we've covered this over time. I mean, pre and post pandemic travels and stuff like that. But really, like this, this urge for me to really want to do that didn't happen until really it was at the point where it's like I don't have that option anymore. And as weird as it is to say, I've traveled more around the country over the past year and a half than I ever did within a concentrated amount of time prior. And it wasn't even really intentional. Um, I've been to states I've never been to. I've been to places in my own backyard that I never knew existed. Um, I mean, this past year, I, I like I, I know I tell you all I'm a Dave Ramsey fanatic and everything, but I actually had to get a credit card. Uh, not because I've I've turned my back on all my you know frugality and financially independent spirit of using only cash, but it's because it was that I got, it got to the point where it's like I actually need those miles. Like I am actually going places, and this is actually costing a lot of money. So I might as well get the airline miles out of it. That that that's a whole extra thing. I, I still need to figure that out. But like um, you know, th- this past month, uh, I was between Wisconsin and Illinois and Virginia and Florida like week by week by week by week um my fridge at, at, in like mid August like I I made sure that like I'm not doing any grocery shopping because I don't want anything to just stick in the fridge and you know rot go bad um you know all that stuff so like my fridge was basically empty uh from mid August until 
the day I got back from Virginia, which is about a week um, from a week ago from when you're listening to this now, uh, I, I I spent like hours stocking up, and like I knew I had like nothing in my pantry. I had nothing in my fridge. In fact, I had to throw a bunch of like random stuff out, like some bread and stuff like that. And uh, as I'm as I'm in the line at Costco, like I noticed, like for a Sunday, there's a lot of fucking people here. Like I'm like, oh, like well, I usually do my my grocery shopping after payday at the beginning of the month. That's why I go get gas and everything else because I don't like shopping. And if I need to go to the store, it's usually because I need like bread, milk, or eggs or something like that, something quick. Um, but I know it's like a lot of other people out and you know, it's like football's back. So, you know, everyone's wearing Packers gear. So I'm like, Oh, people are just getting ready to, you know, tailgate and have fun and, and, you know, get back together and barbecue and stuff like that before the weather gets really cold. No, somebody tells me, well, it's because it's about to, you know, we're, we're expecting snow and it's going to get really cold and no one really wanted to talk about it. But I think people are afraid that, the lockdowns are going to go back to phase one as they were in 2020 because of the new Biden mandates. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but it's just, um, it's one of those situations where it's like, I never realized how much I took freedom of movement for granted before it it seemed like, you know, one, there there were many situations where your travel is restricted. And two, I mean, people are looking down upon those of us who need to travel and, um, you know, Florida, Florida, I was in Orlando, uh, Florida is just basically all open. Like I didn't even wear a mask when I was riding in a taxi or an Uber or anything else like that. Like it seemed fucking normal, like normal America, like how it should be. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of Ron DeSantis now, if he wants to secede and become like the King of Florida, do it. As long as like, you know, boxing's back in Hollywood, Florida and you know, the UFC is back and everything else. Like just, just give, give Florida man, whatever the fuck he wants. So go Florida. Then I go back to Virginia because I was a little bit homesick and I wanted to see my family and everyone. And where I'm at in Northern Virginia, it is like no one, no one wants anything to change. I mean, a lot, like I went to Wingstop and Wingstop still won't let you eat inside of Wingstop. Uh, places are starting to put uh, signs on windows saying, Hey, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna kick out or cap the number of people who can come in. I, there, there were many situations where I would be the only one in a store or something not wearing a mask. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to criticize people who wear masks because it's a very personal decision. And, uh, you know, we all have the choice as to whether or not we're going to do it. I was in Florida. I hung out with my uncle. My uncle and I are on different ends of what we think about the pandemic and everything. And, uh, you know, around him, like he, he was driving me around. He bought me dinner. Like it was like, you know, he's my uncle and he's also hosting me. I'm going to play by his rules. If he wants me to wear a mask, fine. If he wants me to put on hand sanitizer a million times, fine. If he wants to eat outside where it's a little humid versus inside where it's cooler, if that's what he wants to do because of open air and stuff like that, that's fine. Uh, I was just being respectful. But now we're at the point where, um, you know, I, I, I have chosen not to get the vaccine. Not because I have anything against the vaccine, but because I already had COVID. You all remember that. I had to miss two episodes of the show. That's when Brian Nichols was here hosting. And then if you listen to uh, me on on this program or on Second Print Comics during that time where he had a COVID-themed episode, which was funny, 
Uh, it was called What If Remso Beat COVID, uh, which I did. I beat COVID. I mean, even on Ben Stein's show, like you see me in the video version muting my microphone, coughing. Like I had, I had COVID pneumonia. It was fucking bad. It was terrible. But from everything I've researched, from everything I've looked at, I have come to the conclusion that I have natural immunity and that there's no greater or lesser risk of hospitalization or catching Delta or whatever again than a person who did not previously have COVID who got both doses. So that's a you decision. Uh, I believe in freedom of choice. If you want to get it, get it. If you don't want to get it, don't get it. But we got to get to the point where we need to understand that, you know, there's a reason why no one's talking about flu deaths. There's a reason why no one's talking about anything else. There's a reason why we're referring to people as the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And it's like in a world where the freaking governor of Wisconsin has to bribe people with $100 Visa gift cards and fucking cream puffs to go get vaccinated, where the governor of West Virginia is giving away fucking guns, where freaking Bill de Blasio in New York City is is trying to give people cheeseburgers and, and fucking comic books and shit like that. It's at the point where it's like, you know what? Maybe people have made their decision. Maybe the bribes don't work because they've made their decision. And that is your right. It's like, you know, and I don't want to get too into this shit, but it's like, you know, we have to fucking move on with our lives. Like this is, this is going on like 18 fucking months. Like, or, 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 how how much more shit do we have to tolerate? I mean, they're fucking rioting in France. We 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 rioted for less in 2020. What's gonna fucking happen here? It, it's like I I'm I'm genuinely afraid. Um, but it's like I I don't I don't feel that people genuinely want things to go back to normal. I mean, I, I understand that's kind of a subjective statement, but you know, I, I take airports, for example. I remember I was sitting in an American airliner um, as they made the announcement that the federal mask mandate for airlines and airports would last through January of 2022. And I, at this point, I was already counting down the weeks because, and I still have to fly. I'm flying around more uh, I'm, I'm trying to plan a, a trip to South Dakota. I want to go see Mount Rushmore, so I'm currently seeing whether or not uh, I, I can afford to do a trip in uh, in mid to late October. I think that would be awesome to go see it while there's snowfall and stuff like that, um, as, as long as tickets are still cheap. So I'm, I'm contemplating that. I'm going back to Virginia for the holidays and stuff like that. I want to go see my family in Michigan, in Detroit, um, like – you know, I, I, I'm just thinking, it's like, God, one, I'm racking up all these miles now, so that's good. But secondly, it's like, I have to do this over and over and over again. And I fly coach. Okay. Like I, I, I sit in the fucking back. I get the red eye flights. I will fly at 1am to get somewhere early if I, if I save, you know, a dollar sometimes. So, you know, I'm, I'm taking these like really shitty flights of long layovers of one to four hours in some cases, and I'm wearing ma- a mask for like eight to 12 hours a day as I did at one point when I was trapped in Chicago um, because a, a person had to get cut out of their fucking seat at the gate. Um, by the way, if you're not following me on Instagram, you're, you're missing out on some great Instagram stories. I mean, those are all the extra stuff that, you know, I always have time to mention on the show, but like I, I went ahead and Instagram story chronicled, um, 
you know, how I got, um, you know, delayed for like three, four hours because a, a woman who was so obese, um, got stuck in her seat and caused the whole thing to get delayed. Like it was, it, it was such a shit show, but you, you know, I, I look at this and I, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, it's like, if I go and sit down at a restaurant, just as I would outside of an airport, I can have my mask off the entire time. But when I go and sit at my gate, it, it's not the case. And there's barely any social distancing at, at like, you know, the, the bars and the restaurants and stuff like that. Like I've spent more money on airport food and booze than ever before, just because I just need an excuse to take my fucking mask off. And, um, you know, it's it's at the point where it's like that scene is acceptable, but if you take it off at the gate, everyone's gonna fucking stare at you. And then when you're getting ready to board, then when you sit down at your assigned seat in the plane, everyone's gonna threaten you if you take it off. And um, I, I mean, it's just it, it makes it makes no fucking sense. And it's like, how do you socially how do you social distance in a plane? Like, why is it? Why? Why is it we have to keep it on the entire time? But you know now they've brought back. You know I flew American, I flew United. Like now they've brought back. Um, you know they're they're giving out like drinks and snacks in the plane again. It's like why is it okay for me to take it off as I'm eating and drinking, but otherwise I have to keep it on the entire time? That that makes no sense. Like the mask will not protect you. Masks don't protect you. Fauci said that they do not protect you. So even if I am you know contracting COVID or something else. Like the the mask isn't going to 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 save me. It's just not, and it's not going to prevent me from carrying it or from somebody else carrying it to me. And it's um. Oh, one second, I hear a ringing. What's that fucking ringing? What's the ringing? Oh, it wasn't a ringing. Ugh. Why are people? Why are people texting me now? I know I should. I should really just cut this out, but like I'm I'm recording this on my laptop at ten o'clock at night just to kind of give you guys an an idea of like, you know, I've 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 been traveling so much, and uh, you know most of it's been for work, some of it's been personal, but you know I'm I'm genuinely getting getting to the point where it's like, this is, um, I don't, I don't like talking politics here, but it's like, I can't, I can't meander around it. Um, there was a guy on, on a flight from Milwaukee to Chicago. He wore two masks and he went out of his way to tell the person sitting next to him, I'm going to go ahead and put my head between my knees because I'm afraid of contracting COVID. And it's like, if you're so fucking afraid, even though you're probably double vaxxed and you're wearing a double mask and everyone's gone out of their way to clean the fucking plane and everything else, but you're, you're, you're so afraid of the person next to you, I think he's lying. I, I genuinely think he's a fucking liar and a sham. It's his way of creating this false sense of superiority. And, and I was started thinking about that during the flight because I'm like, that little bitch right there just wants just wants everyone to know that he's there. We we talk a lot about the hero's journey on the show. You know, when we couldn't travel physically, we had to travel through life by expanding our mind. That was my way of saying that my budget was cut and my options were low, so I had to come up with other episode topics. But we have talked about the hero's journey 
as being an important thing to Western canon and to us as people. And here's what I figured out. Um, I do not believe that the 2020 election was rigged. Uh, I don't. And that, that bugs certain people because they're like, no, it was rigged. Don't you remember this? And I'm like, I genuinely don't believe it was rigged. I believe that, Gi- that Joe Biden genuinely won. Here's why. It's because for four fucking years, the American people were subjugated to constant, constant brainwashing and gaslighting and manipulation by academia, uh, Hollywood, the entertainment industry, and the media. And I genuinely believe that 90% of the country is apathetic. They may lean one way or another, but they don't have strong feelings or knowledge about many topics that you know that you and I might necessarily have an opinion on. So when push came to shove, they thought that if we just get rid of Orange Man, all this shit will just kind of go away and everything will go back to normal. And even though some things might happen under Biden that I don't like, at least it will be tolerable and maybe the less go to football games and I can eat chilies like a normal human being again. And slowly we're, well, not even slowly, like quickly we descended into fucking madness under this dementia-ridden moron. And, uh, you know, the, the mask and the vaccines and all the mandates and everything else, like it, it's not going to be hard for the government to shove these things down people down people's throats. They want it. And I think I figured it out. It's that because for many people, the the religion of COVID, the religion of Fauci, has become a way for people to skip the hero's journey and go straight to heroism because they never did anything significant with their lives. They've never done something that's genuinely difficult and selfless in order to help somebody. And this is their way of jumping straight from all the sacrifice, the hardship, the challenges, the growth, the sacrifice, just to being the hero. Thank me for thank me for my service. Um, that's it. Because you know, I, I see each time I go back home to Northern Virginia, I don't get along with a lot of the people I grew up with, and, and the reason is this: the the reason is because they don't like to actually do anything. They're not patient. They don't work hard. They just want things now. They expect it. They, they just think they're that amazing. They don't actually like to put in the work. And it, it's those types of people who are the first ones to go ahead and change their you know, profile pic to a fucking black square or to go ahead and you know, share all the shit and you know, share their vaccination card and their fucking Band-Aid photos and shit because they genuinely have that void in their life because at some point it became deliberate that – you know, you don't have to just wait for something to happen to be a hero. If you're if you're somebody who genuinely wants to help others, there were many things going on before fucking COVID. Adopt a child, read to a dementia patient, go deliver food to somebody, help out a homeless person, tutor a child, a, you know, go volunteer a humane society, clean up a park, join your local police auxiliary, do something that's that you know, you don't have to always put on fucking Instagram. Just do it because it's the right thing to do. But these people never wanted to fucking do that. They're the same ones that complain about starvation and and, and throw away more money on stupid shit than 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 they could ever fucking realize they do. I mean, it's just it, it's just that at that point they just never cared. And this was their way to just go ahead and bypass the entire hero's journey and go straight to the end point where the hero is the hero. 
and if you don't recognize that, then fuck you, you're the villain, obviously. I um I was I was at Dulles as I was flying back from uh Virginia. So I'm so I'm at Dulles Airport in Virginia and I go ahead and I get a cup of coffee. Um not because I like the fucking nine dollar small coffees they have at one of the fucking places there, but because I just want to sit down and not have to wear a mask because I showed up early to the airport. So I didn't want to sit at my gate for two hours with a fucking mask on. And uh, in front of me, I see um, a table full of TSA agents who were on their lunch break, and none of them are wearing their masks. Now, what they had been telling people on the plane, at gates, at certain airports, I saw this in Detroit, and I, I did notice this at Dulles. Uh, they're telling you now not to even take your mask off from around your ears. They're telling you to take a bite, put your mask on, chew, and then take your mask off quickly to take another bite or a sip and then put it back on. And, uh, you know, I still, they're still doing the announcements and stuff. And I'm seeing these TSA agents. I mean, they, they've been there obviously for a few minutes. None of them are wearing their masks and they're just loud and they're just having a good time. So I'm sitting right next to them and I'm just fucking staring at them. I'm not even taking sips from my, uh, coffee, but I have my mask like arm's length away from me on the table. And as people are walking past both of us, the table full of TSA agents and me, they don't look at the TSA agents. They look directly at me because I'm not actively drinking. I'm not doing anything else. But, I mean, they're, they're afraid to even question the fact that there's some obvious hypocrisy going on at the TSA table. But with me, they can go ahead and just zero in their fucking laser eyes of judgment and they're looking at me and they're like, oh my God. I, I could feel them. I know they were saying this to themselves. Look at that person sitting down silently, not doing anything, breathing like a psychopath. And um, I, I sat there for 45 minutes. It was a serious – I'm sorry. Let me explain where it was. It's like as you've got, as you've got the walkways, it was tables in between. So it wasn't even at a restaurant. It's tables in the middle of – of you know the walkway and there are gates on either side of us so the tsa agents get up and i shit you not they don't even put their masks back on they're just walking around lollygagging laughing having a good time no masks but everyone else has to wear a fucking mask it's the illusion of fucking control and if you don't think that it, it's you know one set of rules for some people and one set of rules for the others. Just understand that Congress, congressmen and their staff are exempt from the vaccine mandates that Biden is trying to put on 100 million Americans. Uh, the, the USPS is fucking exempt from that. But you're not. Your, your kid's not. You're not. If you have a business of more than 100 people. Um, you know, I, I've been flying a lot and I travel frugally. I've only sat in like, you know, a premier, you know, club or something when I was flying overseas because I was flying with my father and my dad had the points. So like, I knew that there are these like clubs and things like that, but, uh, I'm flying, uh, home to Milwaukee and I've got a layover in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I run into uh, a very close friend and I'm not gonna out him. Uh, but you know, he, he ran into me and he's like, Hey, how much time do you have? And I'm like, I've got like an hour and then some, so he's like, Hey, let me take you to the American 
uh, like VIP lounge. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking it's like a club. The only time I ever really got to take advantage of those types of things were like the USOs when I was in the army. Because the USOs had like, you know, recliner chairs and food and TV and, you know, cots and stuff like that. Something else. Like this club must be somewhere between like, you know, one of the clubs. I'm sorry, this lounge must be somewhere between like one of the lounge, one of the clubs and like a USO. Something else. It's going to be nicer than me just sitting at the gate or going to McDonald's or some shit. We walk in. He scans a code. He's got like this little card that's made from a piece of an airplane. And we walk in. And you've got like lounge chairs everywhere. It kind of gave me like a cigar, uh, cigar lounge vibe. You've got like a whole spread of food and drinks, and they've got a bar where you don't even have to pay for the booze. You just order a drink, and it's on them. And I mean, you could get. I mean, he got like a salad and stuff like that. And I'm just like, they've got TVs everywhere. I'm like, this is one of the fanciest things I've ever fucking scene i'm like how much what credit card do you use like how do you get the miles to do this and he's like it's not any of that you have to spend fifty thousand dollars a year for american airlines to get access to a special lounge like i must have passed by that thing a million times because i've flown through charlotte a lot the past year and i i mean it, it blends in there's no sign i mean i think there's like a small sign but like it you bear it's very nondescript it felt like i was walking into a hotel I mean, I told him, it's like, you know, I'm never going to call the Charlotte airport a giant fly-in trailer park again. But here's the other thing, like, almost nobody was wearing a mask. Some people were, the staff were, but like, there's, there's rules for some people that don't apply to others, despite the fact that we're told that we're all the same. It's almost like Animal Farm by George Orwell. All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. The pigs get to drink beer and sleep in beds and live in the house, and they don't have to work, and all the other animals have to work. That's that's us. We're the other fucking animals. And, um, I mean, it's, I, I got, uh, I you know, you all know, I, I don't have the best of luck with TSA. And I was running a little bit late for my flight out, to Virginia and the TSA guy, um, he's just like, he, he was already like kind of barking out commands and stuff like that. And as I got to the end of the machine and I was about to go get the body scan done, he was like, sir, do you have anything in your pockets? And I, like I genuinely double checked. So I put my hands in my pockets. I checked everything around. I'm like, no, I'm good. And I walk away and he yells at me. He's like, Hey, did you take out your laptop or toiletries? And I'm pointing to the bins directly in front of him. I'm like, you can see everything right there. He's like, well, why'd you walk away? I'm like, um, excuse me. It's because I, I told you after you asked me, did you clear your pockets? I physically checked my pockets in front of you and I was good to go. So I walked over. He's like, you're good to go and I'm done. So he starts over and I'm like, we already went through this. He's like, stop interrupting me. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then he's like, you take out your toiletries. Guys, I don't know if it's just me. Or if this has been a thing and I've always been exempt from it, but I've never taken out my fucking toiletries. I, I've never fucking done that. I flew international and they wanted me to do that. That was like four years ago. No, three years ago. And, I, and that's the one time I ever remember fucking doing that. So I look at him like toiletries, like my toothbrush and stuff. He's like, yeah, take it out. I'm like, I've never, I, I flew out of this airport literally last week and I've never done this. I've flown out of Mitchell in Milwaukee like 
a dozen times in the past year. So she's like, take it out. So I actually went through my bag to take it out to get this guy to leave me the fuck alone. I actually couldn't find my, my toiletry bag. So I told him, I guess I, I, I don't see it here. He saw me open it, but it didn't matter earlier when I tried to clear my pockets. I'm like, I guess I left it at home. So uh, he left me and I, he left me alone. I went through the scanner. I went through the other end and I was like, I know I packed my toiletries. It went through the fucking scanner and I still found the one pouch that I didn't realize I had put it in. I pulled it out and I'm like, you guys, you, you intentionally asked for this and it still went through your scanner and you didn't even pull it out. And I've got a large electric toothbrush. I had a razor in there, deodorant, uh, some creams and stuff like that. And I'm like, you're, you're not even good at your job when you pretend to be. Now, I bring up this story because I flew out on 9-11. And for the record, I, I chose 9-11 because the airfare is so cheap. And I also booked this before the withdrawal of Afghanistan. So you can't say you chose it as uh, the Taliban and ISIS are going back and shit like that. I'm like, I booked these tickets in like July. Um, there's a brand new TSA agent. Oh, and for the record, if, if you've been flying and you've noticed that everything is moving remarkably slow, understand that there's a staff shortage between TSA and airport employees and airline employees at every airport. Chicago is one of the worst, um, in terms of manpower. But, uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm flying out of Dulles and there's a new TSA agent at the boarding pass and ID checkpoint. And he's taken for fucking ever with everybody. So it gets to the point where the lines are just like so backed up. And it was like Dulles on 9-11 was like a zombie apocalypse. There was like nobody there. I've never seen it so empty. But when you got to the TSA area, because it had been backed up so long, everyone that would have gone through and scattered and it still wouldn't have looked big. It looked long because this guy was taken for fucking ever because he didn't know how to do his job. So eventually one of the older TSA agents comes by and he's just like quickly scanning people. He, he tells the guy to go like sit down and go do, you know, go, go pack sand or something. So he, he's just like whizzing us by. I was happy this guy came over. But here's the part that, that quickly caught my attention. I have not done a TSA pre-check or anything like that. I'm nothing special. But as soon as he came on and he starts barking orders – he told all the other TSA agents at the machines and everything else, they can keep their shoes on. They do not have to take their laptops out. So I'm thinking, it's like, you're about to let 100 people through really fast. None of us have to take our shoes off, and none of us have to take our laptops out. They went through the machines. I went through it with my shoes on for the first time, I think, ever. And they're just pushing people through. It was rapid efficiency, but it's like, none of this, like... It, you know, if, if the odds are like, you know, I think in a group of 100 people, odds are that 1% of them is a potential murderer or something like that. It's like you potentially let in like a potential murderer or terrorist with easily 100 plus people. It was never, and, I'm, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but it's like in that moment, and, and this was a week after the, the Milwaukee TSA incident, it's like this was never about stopping a potential hijacking, stopping a potential terrorist attack. This was never about it. It was security theater. It was empowering weak people with a false sense of authority. And it was about obedience. And I'm, you know, it's it's just one of those situations. Oh, and in that same instance at Dulles, 
like as soon as I went through there, that's when my whole TSA, uh, you know, my, my table next to the TSA folks not wearing their masks and shit like that, that happened. And it's like, you know, this is all, this is all really made me realize it's like, I know on Monday we talked about, you know, whether you should be involved in politics or not. Like I'm never going to tell you guys what to do. I'm just doing what works for me. The on the run mentality is about trying to live your most optimal life in a way that works with what you currently have at your disposal and what you can do. Um, but it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm strongly considering leaving the country and, you know, I brought up to a really good friend of mine. She's like, where would you fucking go? And I'm like, I don't think it has to do with me being able to go somewhere else permanently. I think what I need to do is I just need to bounce around as often as possible and, you know, have the ability to make money anywhere I can and, you know, just have that sense of freedom. Like I'm actually really thinking like it might get to the point where it's like for my own sake and for the sake of my loved ones, I might actually have to go on the run from this society that we've created because I don't think uh, your, your, your average American is willing to ever do anything to stand up against this other than just cast a vote. And if you believe that vote, you know, the 2020 election was rigged, wait until they start putting ballot uh, initiatives to stop COVID mandates and stuff like that. Like, I think I'm at the point where it's like, you know, I'll just be like a perpetual tourist, stay for a place for a week to a month at a time until a visa runs out and quickly like jump on a plane or a train and go somewhere else. Like it's, um, it's at that point. I mean, all, all this to say is that I'm, I'm kind of glad COVID happened. I know that sounds kind of fucked up, but I'm kind of glad this all happened because it really made me reprioritize my life. It didn't just change the show. It changed me as a person. You go back and listen to the first episode and listen to every episode to where we've come now and everything else. Uh, you obviously know that my life is different. Um, you know, one minute I'm on top of the world, the next minute I'm working in a fucking warehouse, the next minute I've, I've you know, adopted cheese curds and the brewers, and I, you know, in, in this new Wisconsin life I'm living. And, you know, I'm happy right now. I've been very blessed. I've been very lucky. Uh, a lot of people have not been as, as lucky as I've been. But, um, you know, all, all this to say is, like, if, if you're not actively trying to to get ready to, to go literally on the run when, when the state starts knocking on your door. Like I'm serious guys, like go buy a fucking gun. If you don't go, go buy Bitcoin. Um, you know, go, go buy a gun for when people want to break into your house and take your fucking toilet paper again. I mean, I'm not saying go out and do shit, but I'm saying is you've got to protect what's yours. Like, you know, buy Bitcoin, have your bank in your fucking wallet. There are Bitcoin ATMs throughout the country. If you need to convert to fiat or some shit or convert to you know, fiat digitally so you could buy shit, whatever, like, you know, at least have access to your money because I'm telling you, the next thing they're going to fucking do to strangle people is they're going to start cutting off banking access to businesses and to nonprofits and they're going to start cutting off banking access to individuals. You won't have access to your fucking money. Imagine not having access to a loan or lines of credit. Imagine what happens when they say, yeah, you know, all this money that's in this account, yeah, you're, you're not allowed to touch it until you get a fucking shot or something like that. Like that's where we're going. And I mentioned this in my newsletter. You can go ahead and sign up for my newsletter at remso at dot so remso.substack.com. It's remso.substack.com. I wrote about this back in fucking January. I said the next phase of what's going on right now is gonna be unbanking, debanking. We saw what happened with people who happened to be Trump supporters in DC on January 6th, USAA, Bank of America. 
uh, allowed the FBI just to jump in there. They even just sized up their own protocols to see, you know, what you were spending money on. Did you take a flight in? Where were you staying? Where were you buying a fucking Coke? Um, you know, or a fucking burger or something like that. Like the banks will turn over. The banks don't work for you. The banks work for themselves and they work for the government ultimately. Um, they, we call them banksters for a reason. But it's like, you know, buy some Bitcoin, buy some freaking food, extra food. Like, you know, it, it's it's at the point where it's like, you know, when I was in Virginia, I hung out with some friends. Not only did they start a little farm of some chickens and goats, they built a pool, which is also nice. But they're building a fucking forge in the back so they know how, like, you know, make shit with metal. And, like, they've got enough guns and canned food to last till the until the freaking apocalypse, but it's like those people live out in the middle of nowhere. Their kids are all homeschooled and, you know, incredibly bright, awesome, you know, self-reliant, independent kids and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, get out of the cities. If you're in the fucking cities, there's a reason why I chose to pay more not to live inside Milwaukee, uh, close to work and everything. Since I still work hybrid. It's because when shit comes to town and, riots start happening because another fentanyl dealer gets killed and they need to make a martyr out of him. At least I've got like a half hour head start to get the fuck out. I drive a hybrid for that reason. I just keep going longer than you can in most cases. But, uh, but yeah, folks didn't want this to be a dour episode, but like I said, like it wasn't until COVID really happened that my, my life changed ultimately for the better I appreciate more now. I live simpler and, um, you know, I'm hoping that you've been on this journey with me. And if not, I'm hoping that maybe you will. We try and have as much fun as we try and do all the hard work. And uh, that's the on the run mentality. It's about knowing when to make the exodus from traditional stagnant systems and thoughts that are not making you happier or freer in the process. I'm going to leave you with that today. More episodes coming next week. As always, I know I sounded tired and everything else, but I do genuinely appreciate you taking time to listen to me, hang out with me and everything else. I do this for all of you. Uh, and that's about it. Follow me on Twitter at HeyRemso, H-E-Y-R-E-M-S-O. It's HeyRemso on Twitter, and I'll talk to you later. As always, be safe, be good.